we are finishing up our series on the book of Ruth. And I just want to review it one more time before we close it out. So if you remember, in Ruth chapter 1, uh, this was a time of chaos during the time when the judges ruled. It was not a safe place. It was not a holy place. The people of God were disobedient and had raised up judges to save them from their own sin or folly or disobedience. There's also a time of famine. They were Bethlehem, which means house of bread, but there was no bread. God brought a famine to the land. So, because of this, a particular family, Elimelech, Naomi, and their sons, Malon and Kilion, left. The, the land of God, the people of God, to go to Moab, which was a place of God's enemies, one of the surrounding nations that God told them not to intermingle with. So it was a failure on their part. And another failure was he forced, a little bit for his sons, God's Moabite wives, because God said not to do that, specifically because you will end up following and worshiping their God instead of the true God, Yahweh. So they also, after that, uh, they died. A bunch of people died. A little like died. Then there's Naomi's sons, Malon and Kilian, also died. There'd be three widows left Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. And Naomi also, at around the same time, they're there for 10 years. And after these 10 years, and their husbands all died. They found out that their God lifted the family from Bethlehem. She's like, I'm going back. Like, obviously, what she was trying to do was not working. I'm going back. She prayed for Ruth and Orpah, said, Bless you. Hope you find husbands. But I'm going back. You go back to your land. Orpah said, Yeah, okay. Ruth said, No way. I'm staying with you. Even though Naomi had a plan for Ruth to leave her and go back, Ruth. And God's plan was, well, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to die with you, and your God's going to be my God. So she goes back, it's a, she goes back to Israel, the women of the town, they know her, it's a, it's a safe place for them, and she says, like, she is bitter, she is hurt deeply by God, like, I went away full, I came back empty, it says, right? So call me Mara, right? Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, call me Mara, which means bitter. We also see it's the barley season, and in chapter two, we see the redeemer, Boaz. He shows up. He's a wealthy, older, single man. And in God's providence, his un unseen hand directing this group just happens to be in the field of Boaz. And they meet, and Boaz says, I know all that you've done for your family, that you've left your people, you've come to this place. He prays for her, that God would bless her, and how she served God's people. They have lunch together. She dips some of the grain into the wine. Um, and then Boaz also blesses her. He prays for her, then he blesses her. He tells the, the workmen for him, let her glean wherever she likes. Right, gleaning was like kind of the social security system of the day. The edges of the field were not to be gleaned or picked or profit or food, just for the poor. So they could go and, 
and glean and work hard and make a, uh, a wage and survive, not die of starvation. That was the law. But he said, no, let her, let her go wherever she likes, wherever you like a workman. Let her glean among the sheep, leave bundles for her. A lot of grace. You know, he, all he had to do was let her even at the edges of the field according to the law. He said, glean among the sheep. Let her leave the bu bundles. We like a, was considered like one of the harvesters, basically. Also, we're given the women, like stay with these women. They're in the community. These are the people that you can stay with. They'll be safe here. Remember, it's an unsafe time, unsafe place. So these, these women will keep you safe. You can have a community. You can have fellowship and relationship with them. And then he sends her home with an ethos, which is to be two weeks wages worth of grain. He keeps that after that day. He said, you can stay as long as you like throughout the whole season. So she gleaned several months. Then we see in chapter three about God, God's timing and human timing is very different. So Naomi kind of, I think, wanted to do it in her own time, this romance story. She's going to try to force it her own way. Right? Naomi's afraid of missing opportunity. This is a great God. He's a redeemer. He's single. Let's figure out a way to get you guys together. And also remember, she's bitter. So I think when we're through the lens of bitterness, we need to be explored, right? Things can be, uh, we can have misguided ideas about what we see in the world and what we see as God. So she gives this questionable, sinful advice to go and see him. You know, she wants rest, long-term rest for Ruth. Doesn't want to have continuous dependence. She needs a, a husband because a husband was not just uh, a romantic partner, but also a provider in those days. He would not survive very well, very long as a widow. So Naomi, she's smart. She knows where Boaz will be that night. So, um, he's winnowing, which is where they take their pile of grain, animals trample on it, they throw it in the air to a high place so the wind will blow the chaff away and the heavier grain goes back down. This is time of celebration. This is a harvest festival. This is time where we're going to have feast and have fun, possibly some drinking involved. Right? And so Naomi knows this. And they, okay, here's, what, here's the plan. Tell group, dress nice, wear makeup, wear perfume, use your good clothes. Wait till celebration is over. Right? And go ahead and the other workers sleep on their grain. That's how they protect their investments, right? Um, you sleep on it. It's like storing money under your mattress. No one's going to get it, probably. And then you go and cover his blanket and lay down his feet and see what happens. So this obviously is poor advice. It's sneaky. It's hidden. It's tempting. Right? Not to tempt other people, but it sounds like she is tempting Boaz here. So Ruth says, okay, she's a new Christian, new believer. Okay, Naomi knows what's going on, follow her lead. She does it, it's pitch black. Boaz is surprised, doesn't even know it's Ruth. And then Ruth says, you're a redeemer. That's what Naomi called him earlier, right? He basically says, you know, provide for me, marry me. Pretty bold statement. Spread your wings over me, what it says. That's kind of this idea of covering and protection like a mother hen. It also has kind of marital overtones. But Boaz, being an honorable, worthy man, is a 
called him into the test. He did not take advantage. In fact, he prayed for her. He says, thank you. He's grateful that she's interested in him. Prays for her instead. Calls her a worthy woman, just like this, the text calls Boaz a worthy man. He's a leader of businessman. She's like your Proverbs 31 woman respected at the gate. And he says, yeah, I agree to you. I agree to marry you, but I'm not going to do it the wrong way. I'm going to do it God's way. There's a, I'm not going to, there's no, no seduction happening here. There's another redeemer. He's aware of this. 